The Association for Diplomatic Studies and Training, ADST, is an independent nonprofit organization located in Arlington, Virginia. Over the past 30 years, ADST has produced the largest U.S. diplomatic oral history collection, unveiling the horrifying, thought-provoking, and the absurd events that help shape foreign policy. ADST.org, American Diplomacy, Warts and All. The following is John Limbert's account of the Iranian hostage crisis, starting in the autumn of 1979, where a group of Iranian students stormed the American embassy in Tehran and took 444 hostages in response to its long-standing support of the recently overthrown Shah of Iran, who had been admitted for medical treatment in the United States. These events were pivotal in Iranian-U.S. relations and shaped their nature to this day. I don't think we we really knew what we were dealing with. Um, in the case of Iran, uh, up until 1978 and the time of the revolution, if you looked for sources of instability in, in Iran, you looked to the military, you looked to uh, the leftists, you looked to maybe um, ethnic problems, but you really did not look at thing at a movement uh, of a, at a religious based movement, and that's that's what not only caught us by surprise, but as, as they say, it caught a lot of Iranians by surprise. What what was happening was um, again an increasing collapse of the provisional government informal groups taking, moving into hotels and taking them over. For example, they, they take over a hotel and turn it into a university dormitory. Uh, free. <laughs> um, there was a lot of that, and the, and the authorities were essentially powerless to do anything about it, these sort of occupations. That was the, that was the great debate that was going on between the technocrats of the provisional government, uh, the kind of people who maybe thought like us, um, and the, the dyed-in-the-wool revolutionaries. And the first group was saying, look, uh, we've gotten rid of the Shah, we've gotten rid of his, of his people, we're working on a new Constitution. We can't. We should be very careful that we don't do things to damage the economy and the interests of the country. The second group essentially said, "We don't care. We made a revolution. We made it for Islam, and that's what we're going to do." And Khomeini made a very famous statement. I can remember hearing it. September. October of 79, he said, um, we didn't make a revolution for, for economic infrastructure. Basically, they were going to pursue revolutionary purity. 
Now, whether this was ideological based, ideologically based, or power based, is another debate. It's a question about who's going to who's going to control the power. A lot of this, I think, was was class based and generation based as well. I mean, these these technocrats represented a certain class of the society that had run things for a long time. How do you run a modern state? How do you run an oil industry, a modern army, uh, a modern economy, uh, a, a, a modern economy, a modern transport system, an education system based on the models of 7th century Medina, which was essentially what Khomeini's vision, yeah. vision was. Uh, it turned out that he really didn't care about any of those things. Um, to the point that uh, essentially he invited the, the class that ran the modern economy and the modern systems to leave and made it clear to them that Iran was really not their country anymore. The sense, our sense was that uh, essentially, we were we were hung out to dry, and maybe there were maybe there were good reasons for admitting the Shah. But uh, if you're going to do it, the book solution is that you take the, you you also think about the fate of your people there, uh, because you didn't even have to to realize that the security situation in Tehran had deteriorated. You didn't even have to read embassy reporting, you just simply read the newspapers. And that there was a lot of um, turmoil on the streets of, of the streets of Tehran and in other cities, and that the government really had no uh, had no control over it. October twenty second, as I said, we we figured a day or two, and we're we're toast. We're probably will be dead, or we'll be captured, or dead, or something. Will happen, uh, n and nothing did. Well, it was a Sunday morning, about ten thirty in the morning. Groups were marched. Groups had been marching by the embassy all morning. There was a demonstration scheduled at the university uh, to get one of the routes to the university. Uh, one of the routes for demonstrations at the university went by the, the front gate of the embassy. About 10.30 in the morning, one of the groups uh, stopped in front of the embassy, was shouting slogans. That wasn't unusual. Um, but instead of continuing to march, on, march toward the university, it attacked the front, ga uh, attacked the front gate. Uh, we had uh, some local security in police uniforms, uh, they melted away. They were not going to confront the crowd. Uh, so what, we, what happened was they, they, came into the, they came into the compound, they breached the, con the, the gates. Um, the gates were nothing like the kind of security arrangements and the barriers were nothing like you see today. I called the Prime Minister's office and they reassured us, they reassured me that, oh no, no, help is on, we're going to send a, we're going to send some help. Um, all these, all these people want to do is they want to read a, um, they want to read a uh, pronouncement um, 
read a statement and leave. And I said, that's fine. Read, the, read it quickly and get out of here before something happens. And after a short time, it became clear that no force was on the way. There was nothing coming. So I called back. I pressed them. I said, I don't see any evidence of this. They said, oh, no, no, don't worry. And I said, well, tell me what you were doing about this. And, and they said, well, this was about 11 o'clock in the morning. And they said, oh, well, uh, we've scheduled for th this afternoon, we scheduled a meeting uh, to decide what to do about it. And uh, what could I say? I just hung up in disgust and turned. I remember saying to, uh, saying to Ann Swift, I said, Ann, we're on our own. Then they got into the main building, and we got everybody. They went into the bay. They broke a window. Through this, they, they pulled out some bars. Um, they were able to pull out some bars. They found a vulnerable spot. I don't know if they had cased the place or not, but they found a vulnerable spot. They pulled out some bars um, and got into the basement. The Marines uh, tried to slow them down with tear gas. Uh, they eventually, we got everybody, including our Iranian employees, because there were probably more Iranian employees than American. Uh, we got everybody up onto this, there's the second floor of the building, which is behind a, a steel door. Uh, shut the steel door, basically delayed, tried to, tried to delay. Um, okay, eventually they got up the stairs, were outside the steel door. The people in the consulate, the Americans and the Iranians in the consulate, were able to get out uh, because, as I mentioned, we weren't doing visa services that day, and there was a direct door between the consulate and the alley behind the uh, uh, the small street uh, behind the compound, and the student, there were no students there. The students hadn't attacked from there. So um, a group of them slipped out. Uh, when they got out on the street, of course, the question is, what do we do now? And I think half went right, half went left. And those that were those that went right eventually made their way to safety and were hidden by the Canadians. There were six of them, including two spouses who were working as consular assistants. And uh, the others were captured. The others who went left, I guess, got captured. They were behind the locked door where people are destroying documents and commo equipment. Uh, we're in communication by telephone with Washington. We're in communication with, by radio with, uh, um, with the charge at the, foreign, at the foreign ministry. But there we are. It's a, it's a standoff. And what do you do? I did probably one of the most stupid things I've ever done in my foreign service career. Uh, I volunteered to go out and talk to these guys. And seeing, you know, we have a Persian speaker, can go out, see if we can talk, diffuse, uh, uh, diffuse this, delay some way to delay this thing, uh, diffuse it, delay it, divert it, whatever else. As far as we know, we knew. I mean, as I said, we did not see these guys being armed um, or anybody getting hurt. Um, so I, that's what I did. I went out, they opened the door, I was out, went out the door, and started talking to these guys. I took my most professorial tone with them, 
um, and tried to be as and it was as overbearing as I could be, and saying you you are you know you you are where you should not be. You have no business here. Uh, you should get out as soon as you can. You are you are you are causing you are causing trouble. Who do you think you are? So forth and so on. Um, and they weren't having any of it. I always call this the low point of my foreign service career and my least successful negotiation. Um, so within a few minutes of palavering with these guys, um, they were, you know, they were sort of, they were, they were really up high and nervous, and they were, you know, they didn't know what was going to go on. They didn't know if the Marines were going to come out shooting or not. Uh, so they didn't know what to expect. So I became a captive uh, very early on. And then they said they they they, they announced that um, if these guys didn't open the door in five minutes, they were going to shoot me and the security officer, whom they also had. Uh, well, uh, you know, Ann Swift and Bruce Langan, God love them both. They eventually agreed. They they didn't call the bluff, and uh, the, they did open the door. They did open the door, and everybody was you know that's and. Then most of the staff was taken there. There were some people who locked themselves in the vault, and they managed to hold out for another couple of hours. This podcast is brought to you by the Association of Diplomatic Studies and Training, and is part one in a series of John Limbert's accounts of the Iranian hostage crisis, ADST.org. American Diplomacy, Ports and All.